I really do believe that if we don't take care of ourselves or better ourselves, then, you know, we're missing the opportunity for being present in life. This opportunity came along to work with a Heroic Hearts project. It coincided with some of the work that I've been doing in the addiction recovery field, specifically looking at harm reduction and ways of helping uh, people with substance abuse issues or substance misuse issues to recover. And psychedelics uh, certainly offered an opportunity for individuals to do that. So it was just natural that I would want to be involved with an organization that was doing the work not only to help veterans lift themselves up and out of addiction and behaviors that really weren't helping them in their life, but also uh, be a uh, an advocate for legalization and, you know, normalization for these very powerful substances that really can help individuals uh, reset, reboot, and reframe their mind and their experience. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations podcast. I have with me Keith Fiveson. Is that correct, Keith? Fiveson? Oh, yeah. Like the number five son. Yeah. Fiveson. <laughs> Welcome. It's so amazing to have you with us. Thanks. It's amazing to be here with you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. So just to give you a bit of a context to our listeners, uh, what you do and who you are. So you are a mindfulness um, well, CX, we'll go, on, we'll go into the things that you are offering and doing. So sure. mindfulness experience, ME coach, which I'm interested to find out more, uh, mm -hmm. consultant, health and wellness education on mindful leadership, author, podcaster, keynote speaker on mindfulness experience, emotional intelligence, and presence-based leadership. That's really, really interesting, which we will go into that as well. Right. You are also the ambassador for the Heroic Hearts Project in the U.S. Right. Yeah, I'm one of the ambassadors. There's a, a few of them. And the Heroic Hearts Project is a uh, nonprofit 501c3 that really works with veterans who are coming back uh, or are uh, already here, uh, but are dealing with, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or who have ongoing uh, stress issues that... Uh, are really quite, uh, you know, explicit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved, and what was the uh, what's the affiliation? What was the uh, um, drive behind it that you sure, found them? Sure. Sure. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm a vet myself, uh, and uh, I uh, have been diagnosed with PTSD, uh, not necessarily. Uh, because of any kind of wartime uh, issues, I, I was a, a, a part of the Ballistic Missile Defense Communications Activity. I went in uh, when I was uh, 18 years old. And, uh, you know, I, I had a pretty uh, rough childhood, uh, a very dysfunctional family system. And I think that's where I got a lot of my uh, PTSD from, uh, from that, as well as, you know, from just life experiences. Uh, but, uh, going through the army, it was one of my best experiences in my life. You know, quite frankly, I needed the, uh, I needed the rigor, I needed the structure. And uh, there are a lot of things that uh, came out of it, uh, a career, um, you know, a, a, a sense of, it. I got education, I got the benefits, I got all the things that you can imagine, certainly the uh, ability to step up. Uh, and they gave me a hand up, you know, rather than a handout. So I was very fortunate that way. And uh, as a uh, as an older guy, um, you know, uh, I was uh, I retired from the corporate world and I got very much involved in uh, working in the recovery community as a credentialed alcohol and substance abuse counselor, as well as a addiction recovery coach and working with individuals. And I have a family system, as I said, uh, where my uh, mother was 
um, uh, you know, a victim of abuse, and she had herself uh, some alcohol misuse uh, issues, died very early at 51 years old. And uh, so at this particular point in my life, it's about six years ago, uh, back in 2016, I guess, I retired from the corporate world uh, and uh, and uh, just uh, thought, you know, uh, along the way, I, I, I did a lot of other certifications, uh, if you will. I, I, I guess I have a certification addiction. Uh, but uh, I, I really do believe that if we don't take care of ourselves or better ourselves, uh, then, you know, we're missing the opportunity for being present in life. So uh, this opportunity came along uh, to work with the Heroic Hearts Project. Um, it coincided with some of the work that I've been doing in the addiction recovery field, specifically looking at harm reduction and ways of helping uh, people with substance abuse issues or substance misuse issues uh, to recover. And uh, psychedelics uh, certainly offered an opportunity for individuals to do that. And uh, in the U.S., the psychedelics community or psychedelics has been very um, uh, lifted up. It's been lifted up through uh, both, the, uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans in the U.S. Uh, so uh, it was just natural that I would want to be involved with an organization that was doing the work, not only to help veterans lift themselves up and out of you know, uh, addiction and behaviors that really weren't helping them in their life, but also uh, be a uh, an advocate for uh, legalization and, uh, you know, normalization for these very powerful, um, you know, these very powerful substances uh, that really can help individuals uh, reset, reboot, and reframe their mind and their experience. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Keith. Um, as as somebody who's you know living in the US and also being involved in this kind of deep work, what are your thoughts and what are your observations around this new uh, psychedelic renaissance concept? Um, things are changing. I see. Um, I think many states in the US are doing great work in decriminalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing? This is my favorite question lately. What are your observations? That would be nice to hear. Well, I think Rick Doblin over at MAPS has done an excellent job, you know, uh, given his background, his education at Harvard and uh, his research as a 501c3 and getting a lot of funding from the Republicans on the right side of the issue. Uh, And we see a lot of, uh, you know, recently there's been some stories about uh, the GoDaddy CEO, who's also a vet and a lot of other vets who are really going ahead and supporting this. So I think the Veterans Administration and the, uh, you know, the red, white, and blue, uh, you know, salute and uh, wave the flag is, 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 is really been very helpful in pushing the issues forward. Um, you know, my primary concern uh, being, a, a, you know, being a boomer and being uh, someone who came out of the 60s and had his first LSD experience uh, when I was, uh, I guess I was 16 years old, uh, and it uh, really did change my mindset and changed a lot of my trajectory. Uh, my my primary concern is that, you know, it, it, it goes down or it doesn't go down the same road that cannabis has gone down as a recreational tool. You know, I, I think that you probably can't help it from going down that road because there is a a big underground culture right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is that opportunity for people if they don't have to go to a clinic, if they don't have to deal with a doctor, if they don't have to deal with insurance, why in the world would I bother going to, you know, see someone and pay so much money? And we do have a very big underground culture in the cannabis area right now. Uh, but I think the uh, opportunity to um, use, uh, uh, these substances as a way to help individuals deal with depression, deal with alcoholism. And then, you know, it's set setting uh, the journey itself and then the integration uh, opportunities, the intention, the integration opportunities. I think that really at the end of the day, if there are people and or tools that are out there or communities, even better, 
that are out there that can help these individuals um, go ahead and lift themselves up and out of uh, the pit of depression and, uh, you know, really uh, help them to see and reframe the world in a better way, then, you know, I, 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 I have no doubt, you know, we're already starting to see legalization of psilocybin in Oregon and in Colorado. And uh, I, I, I just read something recently that we'll probably see something uh, in terms of legalization of psilocybin and MDMA, certainly uh, Rick Doblin believes it will happen by next, the end of next year. So, um, and there's a big money, there's a big money uh, lobby that's helping to push that. That's the good news, but it's also the bad news in some way, because, uh, you know, what we don't want to ha have happen is we don't want to uh, have the intention the sacred intention, the container of why we're using it. And that goes back to the original idea of, uh, you know, recreation. It's, you know, it's, you can use it. Sure. You can, you can go to, you know, we, we don't want the reemergence of the rave culture to be all consuming. Uh, I lived through the Rockefeller laws back in the sixties and seventies. And, you know, Quite honestly, uh, if you were caught with a joint, you went to prison. You know, that that's the kind of thing that you 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 dealt with. And we could see, you know, we could see how that could backlash. You go so far and then something happens. And, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, Art Linkletter who, you know, blamed LSD for his daughter's death. And that became a very big, you know, rallying point to go ahead and make it illegal and make it, you know, some something that was extremely bad. So we really want to, I think this time really, you know, mark and measure and manage, you know, the process going forward. You know? Yeah, that's, that's profound. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really amazing to listen to your observations because you've been in this from the beginning, uh, taking LSD at the age of 16. I can't even comprehend this. <clears throat> There's two things I wanted to um <laughs> two threads I wanted to bring in. One, um, is it true that, uh, I heard this from many people, anyone who has, whether it's recreational, accidental, creative, doesn't matter how, if they have encountered psychedelic substances, their trajectory of life changes drastically. Do you mm. believe in that? Their, their path, the path they will be taking. Not saying it always positive, but it really does impact them in some way. It impacts the individuals in some way. Would you agree, so? Well, you know, what we're missing here is that, you know, throughout history, groups, cultures, religions, spiritual traditions, you know, there's always been a, uh, a rite of passage. There's been a, uh, a process for individuals to go ahead and open up their, the lens and the aperture of their mind to go ahead and recognize that there are broader uh, areas of life that they can go on the hero's journey, as I as I like to call it, you know, that they can wake up and they can suddenly see that there is a bigger world out there and there are greater challenges to deal with rather than the me, my, and mine, you know. And uh, I think what the psychedelics do, certainly within the right context and the right framework and the right intention is they help the individual to open up uh, and to create new neural pathways within the brain to re to connect to to drop out of the uh, default mode network of the brain, the referential judgmental side of the brain that really um, has that sort of ego characteristic to it of me, my, and mine, and really interconnect to interconnect to. Uh, the broader spectrum of uh, reality, you know, and reality is not uh, man-made, you know, and reality is uh, the natural world of, uh, you know, the plants, the trees, the water, earth, water, fire, air, uh, really, uh, in a very characteristic way, really make up what reality is. And what we've done is we've taken all that stuff and we've molded it, we've put like clay, we've created these structures and these things that we then call reality. And that is not like, 
you know, like it's like a beehive, you know, we're in the we're in the hive, you know, but we're not in uh, the reality of what is surrounding the hive, you know, uh, so um, that is, uh, I think, what psychedelics help to 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 do. They help you to drop away from the hive, you know, sort of like uh, that scene in the Matrix where Keno Reeves kind of wakes up out of the pod and he opens up the pod and he disconnects his his you know his his symbiotic fluids and he wakes up to what the reality is and of course reality is not necessarily uh man made it's a, it's it's something that is dirty it is something that you know we can connect with that we we can plant into we can go ahead and and smell we can go ahead and you know, really weave ourselves in. It's not to say that, you know, what we've created on a, you know, on a, from a man-made viewpoint in that hive is bad. It's both and, right? There, there is that ability to realize that we can create our reality, that reality doesn't create us or the, the man-made stuff doesn't create us but we create the man-made stuff and we do it through our interconnection with the natural world. And that is the important thing to recognize where we're getting our energies from. And I think psychedelics sort of breaks that open and it cracks open uh, our perceptions and gives us a broader perception that we are greater than we think we are and we can leave the hive and go on the grand adventure of life and then come back and 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 you know be be normal and natural rather than be you know like deal with the facade that perhaps was thrown on us or um, a, a strip that was thrown on us so I, I I feel like I'm just going on and on so let me let me stop that's wonderful <laughs> um I really love that um there is a really amazing um quote that I love let me see if I can recall um it is to do with the psychedelics how they work um uh there's two things actually I wanted to bring because it really is uh it can it works well with what you have just, just shared with us mm -hmm. one of them is um Mutual psychedelic work is as much about this enchantment enchantment than it is about enchantment. Mm. I love that. It's it's very different. And the reason I, I share this is because I think it's really important to understand that um, we have, again, we have given meaning and uh, context to psychedelic work within the mental health frame, within the trauma work frame, which I do, which I advocate for. Mm -hmm. This is not to say I dismiss everything else around it or that I don't, you know, I don't see that the psychedelic work is beyond anything we can contextualize. Mm. So I get that. And um, I feel like the education part is so critical. But at the same time, if somebody is not ready for this, this enchantment, or at, at least there is another quote that I couldn't find, but it, it goes something along these lines. It says, the real authentic psychedelic work is about breaking down the, the, the confined reality that we live in mm -hmm. along those lines. Um, mm -hmm. And I do see that. I do see and I do feel that psychedelic work is beyond anything we can contextualize in and comprehend. Mm -hmm. However, lately, um, with the psychedelic renaissance movement, with all these, uh, like you said, companies coming in because there's money in it now, mm -hmm. um, we almost want to kind of refine it under mental health umbrella. Maybe this is a good thing. I think Rick Doblin said that, let it be. If this is the way that is going to come back to our, you know, integrate into society again, then it may well be the mental health uh, approach. Mm -hmm. um, but when we speak on a very in-depth level, we do know that psychedelic substances are not just limited to mental health work. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I struggle and I have challenges with 
um, leading, uh, as you already know, we do lead microdosing programs in group in group settings. Uh, one of our biggest challenge is to educate the participant to let go of the stigma, let go of this idea that these are party drugs, let go of the idea that these are just limited to recreational use. Mm -hmm. Again, there is no um, there's no uh, negativity here about the recreational use. Mm -hmm. uh, not to dismiss it, it can be very helpful if it's in the right setting. Mm -hmm. However, you know, yeah, this would be our biggest challenge that people have all kinds of stigmatized uh, viewpoints or negativity, uh, sensitivity around these substances. But I love the neo uh, context because these are not just limited to that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, um, is I wanted to talk to you about, would you also say, this is about my question, previous question about uh, your psychedelic affiliation or use uh, back in the day uh, as a young, young man, um, would you say it influenced what you are doing right now in terms of mm -hmm. mindfulness teachings, leadership teachings, all of this? Mm -hmm. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, uh, with without question, I think the, uh, you know, I mean, along the way, um, you know, I, you had sort of done the introduction, and uh, you know, I was involved uh, with uh, the rise of the internet. You know, I, I basically uh, worked with a fellow by the name of Vince Cerf uh, at MCI, and uh, when I when I had my psychedelic trips, I'll, I'll go back further before that. When I had my psychedelic trips, I was, uh, you know, I was. 16, I wound up uh, uh, just barely finishing up high school uh, the last year, and I left home. I wound up, uh, you know, getting into a little bit of a roo with my parents uh, at the time, and I wound up living on a hippie commune. I eventually wound up um, joining the army, but I did these psychedelic trips when I was on a, living on a hippie commune. I did about five uh, five, six uh, LSD trips, and they were all very Timothy Leary kind of set setting, intention, writing it out, and so on and so forth. And uh, I had uh, uh, some real awakenings in terms of, you know, who I was and what I wanted to do and what I aspired to do in the world, how I wanted to breathe myself into the world. Uh, and uh, I wound up, uh, after one uh, psychedelic trip, my, I wound up actually joining the army. And that was, I, I, I think I took my uh, examination and all that. I, I think I was still coming down from my trip. It was within the about three days within the trip. And uh, I wound up uh, getting into the communications field. So the impact of psychedelics on my life, you could say, certainly from that point, I never regretted that. It was the best move I ever made. And that really formed the basis of my entry into telecommunications, into communications, into working with people, and into the whole area of customer experience, which is about call centers, helping individuals uh, answer the phone, you know, have a communication, have a you know, I wanted to get into radio, but I couldn't. There weren't many radio jobs, but now here we are. We're on a podcast, so I guess I'm doing radio now, uh, kind of. Um, but uh, the point being is is that it did influence me. I got into the communications field. I wound up very, very stressed, though. I had lots of trauma, and I burned through two marriages. And, uh, you know, I wound up uh, at a point in my life where... Uh, I uh, became a yoga teacher. I wound up seeking yoga and meditation. This is back in 93, 94. I wound up traveling. I was in Thailand. I did uh, um, Taoist uh, esoteric yoga and stuff like that. But the um, um, fast forward uh, after uh, I've been in a wonderful relationship now for, we just celebrated our 25th year of marriage and uh, been with my wife for 28 years. But I've been practicing mindfulness and meditation for all this time. I also did a lot of other things. Uh, one of the things I know is that the customer experience area is really about employee experience, stress, uh, overload, uh, the ability to reboot, reset, reframe, 
And from my experience with mindfulness and breath and uh, the ability to just kind of get to the moment, get where, where are you right now? Is everything okay at this moment? So that's how I use mindfulness and that's how I use the breath work and working with organizations to help individuals to reboot, reset, reframe, to get calm, to get clear, to get connected. And that's on the corporate side of things. And to really look at rehabilitation within the organization, because companies need to be rehabilitated. You know, the, the, the old structures don't work anymore. And with the individual work, that's really the me work, you know, the mindfulness experience work. How do I, as an individual, deal with people, places, and things? And how do I um, go ahead and reboot, reframe my own habits? You know, uh, are I'm, am I doing things habitually that aren't good for me? Or am I doing things that don't pay the rent? You know, um, and, and how am I focusing my mind in a way that really allows me to uh, become the person I want to be, a better person, hopefully. You know, and then the um, mindfulness-based interventions around psychedelics are really now looking at incorporating the breath work uh, and, uh, you know, looking at the studies that are out there to really look at breath as really the tool that allows us to uh, aspire, to inspire, to perspire, to respire. I use that word. I use these words all. They sound the same because spire, S-P-I-R, spear is a Latin root word for breath. And, you know, it's a wonderful word because we see it in spirit. We see it in transpire. We see it in our daily lives everywhere. So the idea of using breath work and the idea of using presence as a state of where am I now? Am I breathing? Being aware of what I'm breathing into the world through my thoughts, through my words, through my deeds. You know, that's uh, the whole idea of being able to transcend the dogma, the, you know, again, the matrix kind of concept and really create the people, you know, the person that we want to be. And I think the psychedelics are the next phase of of doing that in a way that allows us to uh, transform the person, you know, tra not transform, I would say rip away, just like, you know, you've, you've described, or as I, you know, visualized in the Neo matrix, as he opens up his pod, you know, rip away the, 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 the constructs or the tubes or the dogmas or the stories that really have been shifted on us or laid upon us and really come to a point where we come to recognize our true being, which is a sacred, you know, human being that's a spirit having a human experience. So why don't we create the experience we want? Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Thank you so much. And what I would like to bring our attention to is the uh, psychedelics are being the catalyst for the rites of passages you know mm. the rites of passage is something I love talking about and of course you know when we do work with the trauma-informed approach in psychedelic work um, sometimes it takes time to get to the next uh, mm -hmm. level not like level but next uh, phase of the work mm -hmm. and the reason I say this and the reason I mention is that um, somehow Intellectually, we understand that we create our reality. Intellectually, we get it. We understand how our energy works and how it flows through. And all of that is wonderful and it's powerful and it's, it, it, it sounds true. I think There's all the humans... There's a button there. I hear a, I hear a butt coming. What? Yeah, yeah, the butt is coming. And like all of us, like we read the book, we've been to the workshops where we kind of had those glimpses of connecting and feeling and you know, the, the unity consciousness, all of that, it's a, it's a beautiful understanding. However, I find that um, in the field that I am in, somehow we've been wired differently if we grow up in uh, hostile environments that don't nurture, help us, you know, become autonomous or self-agent individuals, which means then the the whole thing carries on into our adult life where the whole society and environment is conditioned to keep us in that codependency. So I feel like one of the biggest challenges in humans right now, mm -hmm. especially working with psychedelics, since it's our subject, 
um, is um, the trust issue. They don't trust the process of uh, psychedelics, um, taking them through the rites of passage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the recognition, the realization of that rites of passage wasn't meant to be all comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I have this concept of uh, separation, being skinned alive mm. and separation. I know these are, mm-hmm. I should do a little warning, actually, if, if people are impressionable and watching watching this uh, little, um, you know. Well, you mean uh, it metaphorically, you're not literal, yeah. I mean, right? You're, yeah, you're exactly. Better, so, yeah, exactly. So for me. Your old skin, like the snake shedding its old skin and, and coming yeah. into a new body, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So for me, the understanding of the rites of passage is that. Mm-hmm. is about cracking open mm-hmm. and shedding and the separation process. Separation meaning not to separate as an individual, mm-hmm. but separating from this codependency, the mm-hmm. trauma wiring, and all of those things mm-hmm. that limit us in understanding and connecting fully into that unity consciousness. Mm-hmm. So the trust piece, why is it so difficult to trust the process? And and in, in the West, we have an issue or we have challenges understanding the rites of passages. Mm. Mm. But in some esoteric philosophies, in the, in ancient teachings and, and East, Eastern philosophies, somehow rites of passage is almost integrated in everyone's life. At least they know so much more about it. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I'll give you my perspective. Yes, please. Uh, my my perspective is we are uh, living within. Uh, we were born into a uh, a sewer of collective trauma, and the collective trauma trauma is implicit, explicit, and it repeats itself. And it is something that is somewhat hardwired into the system that if we aren't or, or if we're if we're some not if we're somehow not on the treadmill of the capitalistic uh, you know uh, t- treadmill or the um, uh, idea of you know going to school, listening to mom and dad, going ahead and getting the education, all of those things are very good. There's nothing wrong with that, but with the idea of of not being enough, the idea of somehow that we're not worthy of. Uh, and it's also hardwired into the uh, dogma, into the uh, you know religious context of uh, the original sin of that we are born with sin, that somehow we're not good enough, we've missed the mark as human beings, that somehow if we just um, if we just bow down at the altar to you know the 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 old emperor, the you know the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, that somehow we will be better people if we just subservient, if we're subservient and we don't recognize that we ourselves are capable of creating our own destinies, that somehow we've outsourced our destiny to a, you know, to a, to a, to a God that is not of us or in us, but is somehow uh, that we have to, you know, bow down to and pray to. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are necessarily bad because different people, different strokes for different folks. And if you're in that system, that is the way the system works. However, if you are traumatized by the system, if you are, uh, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're, and we're dealing in certainly in the US and I think other areas of the world, we are dealing with a system that is. Uh, you know, the U.S. is based on a um, a system of slavery, you know, a system of carnage. We have, um, you know, wiped out the indigenous people. We, you know, the U.S. is uh, a, a, a system that has, uh, you know, really done a terrible job in terms of racism. It's based on racism and slavery. So there are there are some very rooted issues, some traumatic issues that keep repeating themselves again and again and again and again and whether or not that's through war or whether or not that's through capitalist imperialism or whether or not that's through some sort of system it sustains itself and it repeats itself and 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 the problem is when you go ahead and you say to someone you can break out of that you can go ahead and you know 
tear off your chains, your, your psychological psychic chains, and you can alter your ego. You can put your ego at the altar and you can transform and metamorphosis from the caterpillar to the butterfly from, you know, shed your skin. It freaks people out. And, and I would say that the methodologies that have helped to fortify that with psychedelics have been uh, also, um, you know, they, they have been, uh, um, whether or not it's the just say no uh, through the Reagan years or the Nixon years or the Rockefeller years, they have been uh, uh, stigmatized to the point that individuals are afraid in some respects. So I do think that the new renaissance is helpful because, you know, Rick Doblin has ushered through the FDA trials. You know, he's done it just like every other drug, you know, looking at every other drug and trial. And what we've seen now is that, you know, individuals specifically, there was just a, a group uh, over in Pennsylvania. We're looking to go ahead and legalize even further, you know, just go ahead and accelerate the process. Uh, you know, people who were on 10 drugs, you know, Prozac and everything else under the sun feeling just absolutely terrible or who had alcohol issues or who had substance abuse or smoking, you know, uh, looking at smoking as a smoking cessation, uh, the, the whole idea of being able to use psychedelics and to be able to shed that off and to reboot, reframe, reset their lives in a way that uh, helped them to be, you know, happy with who they are. I mean, that's revolutionary and it's frightening. Anything that is revolutionary is frightening to people because they don't necessarily know what's on the other side. Wow, that's very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Would you say that um, I, I have this saying that psychedelic substances are a calling for those who are intense people. They are intense in their character, intense in, in um, experienced trauma. Uh, they carry a lot of um, stuff that is um, not, not light uh, compared to many people. I don't say this to um, separate and dismiss some people who are functioning because um, I have a friend, he says, uh, he studied psychoanalysis for many, many years. And he says, uh, we are all functioning neurotics but we just fall on a different spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. But somehow, um, Keith, that uh, life, when the life throws at, uh, throws at us the curveball that comes in sometimes in um, terminal illness, sometimes in hitting the rock bottom, sometimes in going into the emergency room with uh, alcohol overdose or other, other harmful drugs overdose, uh, somehow there is a moment where we kind of accept the rites of passage, accept the journey, accept the opening, accept the um, meta metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. If you could please speak to that. And if you don't mind, I know you have a very profound story with this. Maybe if you feel called to share it, or I mean, it's up to you. But um, Sure. I, I mean, you know, um, uh, well, I think the profound story you're talking about is I'm a two-time cancer survivor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I uh, I think that, uh, when you look at death, when you come to that point in the road where you have that life moment, you know, where you kind of face your own mortality and you recognize the fact that you're not going to be around forever, that this is not a dress rehearsal, that life is meant for the living and I better get busy because now is now and, you know, it's not going to happen unless I make it happen. No one is going to give me you know, no one's going to go ahead and show me how to live my own life. If I tell individuals, you know, this is who I am and this is what I do, they're not going to argue with me. You know, so what's your story? And are you are you perpetuating that story through uh, being a victim or being a victor? Are you the vic victim of your own story or are you the victor? Are you the hero of your own story? And are you going on that hero's journey? that we talked about? Are you waking up from the land of sleep? And are you ready to go on the adventure to, you know, talk to the mentor, talk to your coach, and then go into the belly of the whale? Because that is really where uh, you get to come face to face 
with your own mortality. You get to come face to face and have that dark night of the soul that you talk about, that intensity of, of you know, that, hey, um, you know, no one's, no one's going to save me unless I save myself. So um, I do think that there is a level of waking up. I do think that there is a level of having life slap you across the face and say, hey, you know, what are you doing? You know, where are you going? You know, how are you, how are you, how are you uh, talking to yourself? You know, uh, I have a, 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 a saying that, you know, if, if, if anyone talked to me the way I talked to myself, I'd have them arrested. So, you know, um, I think that's the question. How are you talking to yourself and what are you focusing on to go ahead and, you know, what you think about, you bring about, what you focus on, you go ahead and you attune to and you put the energy on. So that's actually how you how you live. And I think the cancer for me in my life was really very much around uh, coming out of a victim, uh, you know, coming out of victim, uh, a victim mentality that somehow, um, you know, life was happening to me, that I wasn't creating the life that I wanted. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think that the uh, psychedelics helped me to get uh, to one stage. I think the breathing and the uh, cancer and the changing of the diet. I have uh, eight strategies in, in, in my book, uh, The Mindfulness Experience which are eight strategies to live life now. And they are, you know, uh, what do you put it? And these are, you know, things that we can talk about in terms of what pays rent, what doesn't pay rent, what destroys the house. So what do you, and the eight strategies are uh, the internal strategies, the inside out strategies of the mind, the body, the spirit. In other words, the belief system that you have internally uh, the food that you put in your body and the ability to sleep. And all of those things really revolve around this word spear it or breathe it. So that what we do is we give life to our own inner workings through the mind, the body, the spirit, the food, and the sleep, the ability to recharge. And it's not necessarily it's sleep. It's also taking these mindfulness experience moments, these me moments, right? And, and then how does that relate to once we have that, we get inspired and how does that relate to what we're doing in the world, the outside in stuff, you know, our relationships to people, places and things, our ability to um, look at our environment, you know, are we putting things away? Are we, you know, are we, are we putting plants or we do we have lights? Do we have colors? You know, what are we doing in our own internal environment? And then what are we doing in the world? How are we bringing that into the world? And then aspirations. Are we rechecking ourselves, rebooting, reframing, and resetting uh, or resetting, reframing our own aspirations? Because we're, you know, I, I always like to say people are people are verbs. We're not nouns. You know, nouns are sort of static. People are verbs. We're always in motion. We're always breathing. We're always becoming. So how are we becoming or are we static? You know, and, and are we breathing life into our own dreams, our hopes and our visions for the future? You know, and that's not only about me. It's about me, we and us. Right. Because we're always in relationship to something and not only ourselves, unless you're a hermit living in a cave somewhere. So, um, you know, that's, uh, I don't know if I answer, I feel like I went on, I meandered a bit on your question, mm. but uh, I think that's, uh, I, th I think I answered it and then some, right? Mm, that's wonderful. That's yeah. very, very, very powerful. Thank you so much. And one of the things that I'm observing all the time is, as I said, not everybody who has gone through this big experience that confronts their mortality or their existence or shakes their world uh, changes or open up, like I said, because there is this part of us that can dissociate, um, give up even, and also numb ourselves, right? That's the truth. But uh, on a general level, I see that people who have gone through that deeper experiences are much more open to deeper work with psychedelic substances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then people who come to us with... Um, Intention to work on flow states, focus, you know, focus, 
um, clarity and motivation mm-hmm. and people who are not really perceiving any sort of dark or negative experiences in their lives, they have a stronger boundary, stronger resistance mm-hmm. and stronger um, um, kind of they dismiss um, what these substances can do and you know all those all those things. I don't know if I'm making sense. You're making perfect sense. So I, I think what you're saying, I think what you're saying is that uh, you know there are people who uh, sort of succumb to or be or or sort of succumb to the story of their lives as victims, right? You know, and that what they do is they drink, drug, eat, sex, spend. They sort of go down the rabbit hole, and many of them don't come back. You know, I talked about my mother uh, who was traumatized as a young girl and, you know, went through life and had uh, alcohol issues for a large part of her life. There are people that just don't come back. And and what they wind up doing is they don't seek help. They don't go ahead and, you know, say, hey, I got to go ahead and save myself because no one's coming in to save me. So, and then there are others who say, you know, no effing way. I'm 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 going to change this. I'm not going to let, you know, I'm not going to let life piss on me. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, change this and I'm going to shake it off and step up. You know, and that's, those are the people, those are the people I think that who have looked for help and in many cases haven't found it because the, you know, the old drugs, these, you know, SRIs don't work you know, there are uh, issues that have happened. They're looking to change, but they just don't know how to change because they haven't stepped out of themselves. They haven't stepped out of their own, you know, the the, the mind that created the problem is not the same mind that can fix the problem. So how do I get out of my mind? How do I change my mind? As Rick Pollan would say, how do I change my mind, you know, reboot, reset, reframe, and do something different? So that's where I think the psychedelics really are very powerful because they do give you the opportunity to change your mind because you're not looking at the same old thinking, stinking thinking. You're changing your mind and you're rebooting, reframing and resetting, you know, your your experience. And I I think that's very powerful. Mm, I love that. And there is another one last thing I wanted to mention that this is our inside talk with one of my therapist friends. Mm-hmm. We always say that um, people won't change until the pain is enough. Mm. They have to go through. This is not, again, not true for everyone because people can, it's about the perception. How do we perceive that pain? And mm-hmm. when does it get too much for us to take action, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's different. And, and, and they, you know, their system can dump a whole lot of opioids, mm-hmm. organic biochemicals mm-hmm. that can, that, you know, dissociate and not really feel and think those things and take action. That's true also. But um, but in most cases, yeah, people who actually go through some excruciating, painful experiences, they are much more humble, open, and ready to, like you said, change their mind with different, mm-hmm. different approaches. Well, you know, I, I think so. And I, I think one of the other things that I just want to applaud you for doing, you've uh, you know, you've created a, a, a magnificent community uh, in, uh, and, you know, what we know is that the the problem is not necessarily um, addiction or misuse or all of those other things. It's really about connection and the ability to connect with ourselves and with others and do that in community is really probably the most powerful thing that we can have in our lives. You know, we're born for connection, right? So uh, the ability to do that and to do it in a way that allows us to normalize our trauma, to normalize our uh, stigmas, the issues that were the stuff that's been thrown on us. Uh, I can't think of anything that's more powerful than that, because really what it allows us to do then is to shed off the old skin and to step into a new light or a new way of being. So you know, thank you for the work that you've been doing. I, I think it's just magnificent. And uh, I uh, really deeply appreciate the opportunity to be uh, here with you and to uh, share the space. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your feedback. Highly appreciate it. Thank you. Um, we will be adding your links, your book, uh, your link to your book and some of your work in the show notes. Um, 
But before we say goodbye and let you go, Keith, mm -hmm. um, this has been such a pleasure and I'm sure we'll have you back again very soon for another part two or, or another uh, right. conversation. So just to kind of follow your work and I'm, I've been enjoying your work on LinkedIn. This is how we met. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been following and I'm also lined up some articles that you've been writing. So really looking forward to those as well. Um, before we let you go, Yep. Last words of wisdom, what would you like to share with our community? Um, I think the I think the main thing is that you know to really uh, understand that um, you know what you foc focus is the food food. you know what we focus on uh, and what we think about we bring about. So you know the real question is, you know using you know that the, the idea of spear, the idea of spirit, you know, how do we inspire, inspire, how do we aspire into the world? Are we conspiring or expiring in terms of the things that we're thinking about or breathing into our lives? So, you know, just think about that, you know, your, your breath, where are you now? And what are you breathing into the world? You know, and are you the victor or are you the victim? And if you're the victim, how can you change that story? And how can you breathe life into a new story uh, by focusing in on something that is different and or rewiring, uh, you know, through talk, through uh, community, through uh, whether or not it's through psychedelics or intention, writing is a, is, a, is a big one as well. So, you know, just take the time, get to know who you are, work from the inside out, and then breathe yourself into the world uh, in terms of your aspirations, because this is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life. And if you're not busy, you know, the old Bob Dylan saying, he who's not busy being born is busy dying. So, wow. you know, we have to we have to do that every day and every breath. Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much your, for you're your welcome. wisdom, for your teachings today. <laughs> really appreciate it. And congratulations on the 20 plus uh, relationship, you, you oh, know, thank you. With, yeah. with your wife. Uh, so amazing to hear this. And yeah, we'll follow your work. And thank you for doing all that you do also. Really appreciate it. I look forward it. to uh, circling back with you, Susan. Uh, you're uh, really quite a bright light. And I'm uh, really honored and uh, have a real pleasure knowing you. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Please do get in touch with me or Keith if you are drawn to his wisdom and his work. He's on LinkedIn. He's everywhere. We will be linking all of his contacts in the show notes. And thank you so much again for tuning in. I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Much love. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.